Welcome to The Habit Queen. I'm your host, Anya Perry, a work-life balance wellness coach, entrepreneur, and athlete. My goal is to help busy, driven women like you to feel incredible every day while they are pursuing their wildest dreams. If you're ready to take some powerful steps and build simple rock-solid habits, overcome stress, and multiply your physical and mental energy, you've come to the right place. Tune in each week and I'll be here to show you what strategies, methods, and tools you need to use in order to create beautiful, healthy, and harmonious life you adore. I truly believe that you can have it all. Thank you so much for joining and let's begin. Hello, beautiful soul. I hope you are enjoying this holiday season and hitting play today in hopes to learn something new, something cool. Maybe it's not new, maybe it's old and you just want to rediscover it. I've been talking to so many people lately, including my classmates in grad school, and I am realizing that there are so many people craving to slow down. They're craving it like it's a meal, you know, like you're craving your favorite comfort dish, People are just burnt out, overwhelmed. It's the end of the year. It feels like everything is speeding up. And today I have a very special guest and we're going to talk about how to slow down, how to become more present. And we're going to address it through movement because she teaches movement. I'm super excited about this episode. It was flowing like a good yoga class. Let me introduce Andrea Roberts to you. And let me share a little bit more about this incredible human being. She's a yoga teacher and a health coach. She specializes in trauma-informed practices and incorporating mindfulness tools into her classes. She coaches you that skill so you can develop this as a superpower in your life. We also discovered another superpower she possesses, and you'll learn in this episode. Aside from her private clients, she also works within the military community, teaching yoga with Comeback Yoga, and works as a health coach for Mission 22. This is how Andrea and I met a couple of years ago. We are in the same team supporting veterans, and she leads guided meditations and non-sleep deep rest sessions. Her goal is that by training your mind, you can pay attention to what's going on around you and within you, and you can access greater states of calm, curiosity, and this, and in a sense, become your, your own best friend. I love that part so much. And in this conversation, we talked about quite a few things. We talked about slower paced yoga as a way to come back to yourself, to become more present and aware, and especially if you're struggling with injuries, if you are a hustler and you feel like you just need something to counterbalance that stress and pressure in your life, this episode is for you. She's going to teach you quite a few cool things and share more about her practice, about her method, and I'm excited for you to get to know her. Without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, Andrea. How are you doing today? Oh, Anya, I'm doing well. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, I've known you for two years, yet I feel like I don't know you. <laughs> I have a glimpse <laughs> of Andrea. So my first question will be to you. We are going to talk about so many beautiful things today. And I feel like this is the topic is not talked about enough, at least 
it hasn't been on my podcast, so it's time. I wanted to ask you about your story, like beyond your formal introduction and biography. Tell me, who are you? Okay, well, it's always an interesting question. How far back do you want to go? <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, How much time? Um, but so I have parents from two different countries. So my father's from Argentina and my mother's American. So I, I was born in Argentina and that's where we lived until I was 12 years old. And then we moved to the United States when I was 12. So the, that in itself was a really big transition for, for me and, you know, for the whole family, obviously, too. I never quite fit in anywhere exactly because, you know, growing up, yes, I live in Argentina and I identify with that culture. But, you know, I also had a mom who's American so, you know, we didn't grow up like a typical Argentinian family either. And then moving to the States, you know, same thing. Um, you know, it's a different culture and to getting used to to that. And and so I was feeling a little bit of like, you know, where am I? What is home and where do I fit in? And I don't feel like I fit in in places. So um, so I think that experience by itself kind of bled into say my my practice with yoga and my um relationship to yoga and also how I teach yoga so fast forward you know I, I played division one sports in college and you know I've been injured before but this was the first time where it hurt to do normal things and you might maybe you you might have experienced this in the past too of since you weight lift a lot I I injured my back and it was a spot in the back, like right between your shoulder blades. And it hurt to like, it hurt to walk a little bit. I couldn't do any jumping activities. I couldn't run. And even, you know, getting out of bed, it was, it was the first time I, I it really impacted um, like my lifestyle and what I could or couldn't do. And so I decided then that, you know, my, you know, it really made me question my approach to sports and what I was doing and, you know, pushing myself, you know, to compete at division one. And, um, and so I, I was looking for something that would kind of help me with that keeping healthy peace. And, you know, in high school, I had also played track and field. And so I had stretched a lot and I, I was a little bit more limber, I think. And then in college, I didn't do that as much. I focused more on field hockey and and so that's how I came across with yoga um, with, you know, all these wonderful back stretches that it has. And I was like, whoa, I think this would be really good for me. And so back, yeah, so back in college when I was 18, that's when I started doing yoga. And, you know, and even after college, fast forward, I had kids and everything. It was something that I would do. And it was more of like a personal practice. I... I would sometimes do some videos or every now and then I may have gone to a class, but for the most part, I, I enjoyed just practicing at home on my own as a, again, as my own personal practice. And then when I uh, went through a divorce and I had this, you know, whole life transition happen, I was looking for, for something to do and, and, I was a stay-at-home mom before then. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? <laughs> and mm -hmm. I thought, well, I've been into yoga and I enjoy it. And so I 
you know, took a training to be a yoga teacher. But even then, it, it took me actually five years between getting my yoga teacher training and teaching classes. Um, I had something that I also struggled with. And, you know, I still try to struggle with this day is anxiety. And I had huge anxiety and into getting in front of people and talking and telling people what to do. <laughs> and I don't know if you've had this experience, but you know, when you feel like your voice is shaking and you're like, your hands are shaking and you feel mm -hmm. that you're just going to pass out. <laughs> so that yeah. was me when I just thought about teaching yoga in front of a group, I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I'm going to panic. And I don't know what to do or say. So, uh, so it took me some time to really, um, push myself to to start teaching Damn. and I remember I actually hired a, a voice coach to help me yeah <laughs> <And> so <laughs> she would have me do these exercises and and then she would actually push me to like okay I'm your student you got to teach me and I was like what she's like yeah <laughs> do it right now I'm like oh no <laughs> and so <laughs> she would have me practice on her uh and so yeah and so that that really helped and um, so yeah, so I just, you know, started doing it, but even when I first started, it took me a while to get consistent doing it because it would just take so much out of me just to teach a class. You know, I would, uh, get so worked up and, you know, even just making my way through the class by the end, I would be like, oh, thank God it's over. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> and so, yeah. I, so I would go through periods where I was teaching and then I would take a break and pause and then I would go back and. But over the years, I, you know, consistency was another thing I focused on too. And, you know, nowadays I've been teaching consist consistently for, I don't know, over five years now. So, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and then even with the pandemic, you know, before the pandemic, I was teaching in person and then I dabbled a little bit online. And then with the pandemic, everything went online and, uh, you know, I started teaching online more and, and I got comfortable with that. And now after they're, you know, since some classes opened in person, now I have to make the transition of teaching <laughs> in person again. I'm like, oh no, how do I do this again? And so that's been fun too, of uh, exploring, you know, different environments to teach at. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into to yoga and, and teaching yoga. Yeah. Wow. What a beautiful story. And there is so much to unpack here. Um, first of all, I watched some of your YouTube videos because I do my homework just a little bit, uh, <laughs> but I would never expect you to, you know, you would never tell. I would never be able to have calls with you every week, right? I see your face on camera every week. You would never guess what someone is internally possibly have gone through or going through, right? On a given day. So, um, and your, your experience with teaching your first class reminded me how I taught my first weightlifting class. I fell mm. on my butt. I was, I, I was showing something and I fell <laughs> on my butt and I was like, and I had, I had no rapport with the people and I just laughed it off. And I feel like it was such a nervous laughter. <laughs> so I don't know how many people are uncomfortable. I just had to move on, but I loved, let's go back to your story. First of all, so many life events and huge trans transitions, right? going through moving from country to country back injury being competitive and then kind of pulling back from it and readjusting your life and going through a divorce and all of those things and you found naturally yes I do know what back injury is like it sucks <laughs> yeah but I'm glad there was such a beautiful opportunity for you right to transform this challenge into something for you first for yourself and then for others and now you 
practice, you're tra trauma-informed practitioner, right? I always hesitate kind of like label people, mm -hmm. um, but you're teaching that, right? You're supporting veterans uh, who struggle with being present with those PTSD symptoms. You are exploring techniques that I want to ask you about as well. And what I feel like in your story, there are so many, I'm sure there are challenges that you overcame. I don't want to assume, but I want to ask you what kind of challenges you were able to overcome transitioning from that, oh, I got to work out, I got to stay in shape, or I got to be competitive and compete, transform my grow and all of that into the practice that is your, you're presenting or using now. What have you experienced on this path? Well, and, you know, obviously that was, you know, back when I was 18, but even, you know, throughout the years, there's, I'm sure you've experienced this too, that push and pull between wanting to compete and push yourself and grow. And then there's that flip side of that recovery side and staying healthy and staying consistent. And especially, you know, as, as we get older, you know, we accumulate injuries and, you know, it might take us a little longer to recover. You know, our bodies change slightly too as we get older. And so there's that balance between, you know, pushing yourself and exerting yourself and growing and challenging yourself, but also on that flip side of giving yourself that time to, to rest and recover. Because, you know, as you know, that's when your actual gains ha happen is during that rest and recovery time. And, and so, yeah, so for me, you know, when I had that back injury it was a bit of a wake up call of like, well, you can't be pushing all the time, you know, you're, you, you're going to get hurt or, you know, how, how is this sustainable over a long period of time? And, um, you know, and something you see in the competitive world, and I'm sure this happens anywhere too, is people work through injuries all the time. And, you know, a lot of people take a lot of painkillers or, you know, do whatever they can <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to continue working out and competing. So it does take its toll over time. And, um, and I think whenever you have an injury too, I think that's also another moment to reflect and, you know, it doesn't have to be so extreme either, but, you know, you can be sick and you can be in bed and feel like, Oh, I don't want to get up. You know, <laughs> those yeah. moments, um, are kind of little wake up calls too of, you know, whoa, you know, life is, um, kind of so precious and precious and transient a little bit too. Mm. And, and so it, it makes you reflect on like, well, I don't want to be in the spot again, either. I, I like being able to, you know, do the things I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think being conscientious and uh, intentional about how you take that time to rest and recover is really important too. It's not just about go, go, go. And then, okay, I'm going to just lay on the, in bed the yeah. next two days. Cause I can't do anything else. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be so extreme and, and coming back to what you mentioned with being trauma informed, that's something that tends to be a quality or tends to be embedded in there is this tendency towards extremes of yeah. you know either go or nothing or go or stop and and so actually learning to navigate that in between as well is um sign of health and very challenging as well it's sometimes easier just to have an on switch and an off switch you know how do yeah. you 
either toggle between the two or <laughs> how, how do you push back? How do you pull back sometimes? You know, those are, um, you know, skills that you can learn, obviously, but it doesn't come easy sometimes. I, I'm listening to you and I'm, all I can think about, like you're talking about this, the recovery piece, this, this push and pull that our entire culture is built on it now, right? Like hustle, do this, the, the toxic culture, right? We're pushing not only physically and physically too. Many women think that they have to work out. I literally have a client who thinks working out six times a week is the best thing ever for an hour a day. And that's okay, right? I'm not here to judge. But what I'm hearing you saying is to show that radical kindness to your body much more. You can push, you can pull, right? But understanding that at some point, either injuries will accumulate and stop you, or you will need to find an opportunity, a lesson as well, how to transform your routine, your practice, how to support your body, how maybe if you encounter trauma or trauma will resurface for you, what can you do if doing the same things that you've been doing before not helping you, right? I'll give an example. In the past, I was coping with running, whatever it was, running <laughs> marathon <laughs> let's go right and then at some point i realized this was not a strategy and there are certain things that come up for us it's really hard to work them out mm -hmm. and i don't know if that makes sense maybe you'll disagree with me but for example if I'll, I'll share a very personal example my mom shared with me something that completely blew my mind a couple of weeks ago i'm not going to share what because it's very personal <laughs> but it completely exploded in my head because she knew it for 30 years and I was like, how this shaped my life this way. And I went to work out that way that day. And you know what? It did not help. <laughs> it did mm -hmm. not help. I had to sweat out differently. I had to use new calm. I had to do totally different methods after that to just like let it out of my system a little bit because bouncing weights and being that hard push didn't work for me. All right. I deviate from the topic, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you taught me something as well, that, that piece of kindness and re in recovery. So when, what kind of clients do you work with and what do they bring to the table? What do you teach them when they come to your class? What are your most like biggest things that they observe and notice? Well, for the, one of the biggest things would be, I have to call it stress management or that sense of overwhelm and, you know, the nice thing about teaching classes more geared towards that is that it also gives people that um, that green light to take that time for themselves to kind of slow things down and also maybe do a practice that is not so focused on those external results, but more on an internal experience and, and teaching you how to uh, maybe tune inwards a little bit more and notice maybe more subtlety in your body than you know if you're moving really fast or you're you know pushing a lot of weight you know you might not get the chance to do and because uh, you know, so often you know as you were talking to you know so often we we seek out experiences you know to um but at the same time we can self-generate experiences too you know even now mm -hmm. if you're if you're sitting you can just notice how you're sitting and notice that contact you know with a chair or the ground you know be it like your feet your hips and you know even just by tuning to what your body's feeling and sensing in the moment can start to kind of slow things down for yourself and bring you more into the present moment so our um yeah 
I love that you said that because I feel like we're so consumed by production and consumption, <laughs> um, you know, tautology, but we're just wired so poorly in this respect right now to seek those external things yet if you were to talk i'm sure you you talk to people you said stress management is a theme or finding that presence right finding that grounding and centering yourself so many people crave this but they don't know how to do this right because anxiety because social media because hustling job and all of those things and i love that you said that self-generation can we talk about that because i feel like this is correct me if i'm wrong this is a piece of slow paced yoga this is a piece of trauma-informed practices would you share more about that um yeah sure and well, because, you know, there's the a class itself, like how I would do it in a class, for example, would be to, you know, bring attention to, again, as you're moving, let's say from, from one position to the next, you, you know, first of all, giving people time to make that transition. So no, not rushing that transition. So, and then taking your time to, to find your way into a, a position or a shape or posture so that you begin to feel Okay, let's say you're in warrior two, which is a standing pose. So you're standing on your feet normally. So taking that time to like really feel your feet and how your balance may be between the front foot and the back foot. And, um, you know, we all have tendencies sometimes of, you know, we might lean more towards one leg or the other. And so you get that opportunity to first notice what what's going on and then to make an adjustment like, oh, what would it be like if I maybe shift my weight more to one, the other foot or the front foot. And so you're also developing that sense of curiosity too, which is um, really beneficial for lots of things too. But so in this context, you're developing that curiosity and exploration with your own body. And, and that can, you know, that's accessible to all of us, right? We, we can notice our feet, we can notice like, uh, you know, our sense of balance and, uh, and also our breathing, that's very physical too. You know, you have sensations in the rib cage, the front, the back, you know, the shoulders down in the pelvis. And and so incorporating these different noticing <laughs> throughout a practice and in different positions too, whether it's maybe a more active pose, like, you know, warrior two where you're standing, or maybe it can be, you know, a child pose where it's more of like a, a resting position too. Of, well, can you can you soften your shoulders in this position? Can you soften your back? Can you, you know, soften into that touch with the ground underneath you and maybe even feel a sense of support since you're physically being supported by the ground? And so it's a way to practice these uh, noticing and mindfulness skills in, um, you know, in a physical practice. And yes, having it a little bit slower pace is more conducive to, being able to do that I think yeah yeah and having a teacher like you saying to someone like <laughs> for example myself when I asked my yoga teachers before I did yoga for about a year and I was asking am I doing this wrong because <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that struck me if and this resonates with what you're saying right now is just like allowing your body to adjust and not judge in a way and just be fully present and feel those things without being guided by like specifics right um keep your collarbone this way or things like that right just like allowing your body be present in the moment and finding those adjustments to 
generate the experience of, I guess, awareness, presence, fulfillment. What are those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, that. yeah, and something else you're alluding to all as well is that uh, developing self-trust of trusting mm -hmm. yourself of, okay, I can make my own adjustments too. You know, I can find my yeah. own balance if, you know, if I pay attention. Um, so developing that self-trust throughout the, the practice yeah. too. Yeah. I have a specific question. A specific well, self-trust kind of guides me there. How do you work? And if that's okay, if you can't answer that, <laughs> or you are not allowed to answer that, because I'm, I'm super curious about that part with trauma informed practice as a yoga teacher what is different from let's say someone who's very traditional yoga teacher with their 200 hours training yeah well and you know to start off you know being trauma-informed it's not a, a style of yoga it's a way of teaching yoga yeah so you can yeah. you know teach a um like a I don't know power yoga class and be trauma informed or you can teach more like a gentle yoga and be trauma informed so it's not uh, a style it's a way of teaching so as far as yeah so developing trust is huge in a trauma informed practice right because you know from the get-go you're gonna get um you know people are on on their guard normally <laughs> and mm -hmm. so um well I can bring in comeback yoga with that a little bit too, because they're a, a nonprofit that services the military community and, you know, all their classes are trauma informed and, you know, they offer us teachers guidelines as well. So, you know, I can share some of their practices too, of, um, and their trainings that they they've offered us too. So, yeah. you know, it, it can, some of it is so simple. Are you you're like, well, just how you set up your class, for example, of giving people a choice of where they want to set up, you know, because okay. they're going to choose, they're going to pick the the position that works best for them. The <laughs> quarters, so <laughs> most of the likely, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And normally people don't like having their backs to the door. That's right. kind of a standard. They like to be able to, to see the exit. So mm -hmm. setting up the class in a way where people can see the exit. Uh, yeah. Another one is, you know, people don't like to have their backs to other people too much. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if there can be space maybe behind them or, you know, just being aware again, that they have enough space where they are not overly crowded. Uh, so, so just the way you set up class, for example, and another one is, and again, some people debate this one, but the other one is how you walk around the room as a yoga okay. teacher, especially in positions where you have, you have participants either like laying down or maybe they're in, I guess it doesn't really matter. They could be in downward facing dog where they're facing down or, or child pose, but you have to be mindful of how you walk around the room because somebody in their head, they could be tracking your movements, right? Oh, I hear them mm -hmm. going this way and now they're going to the other side of the room. And so then if they're doing that, they're not paying attention to their own bodies as much because they're tracking you and your movements around the room. <laughs> right. So, voice, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So sometimes being mindful, like for me, I stay in front of people and I might move a little bit from one side of the room to the other, but I stay in the front. I don't move mm -hmm. behind people. And when we're doing, let's say, a resting position, I don't walk around the room because I, I don't want people to to track my my little feet movements or anything. Yeah. 
so so that would be one thing is you know just your own movements around the room and making sure that that's not a distraction for people um yeah so yeah. and another one would be giving people choices and letting them know what's coming next so yeah one thing that could also trigger people or can be uh you know can trigger anybody's anxiety too <laughs> is surprises so <laughs> giving people a heads up of like okay now we're gonna you know move from this from downward facing dog to warrior two and so you're giving people a heads up of what you're doing yeah. um so that can also be very soothing like oh okay i know what to expect so i don't have to be thinking like oh what are we gonna do next what are we gonna do next i can be more present with what I'm doing now because I already know what's going to come next. <laughs> I love that you share these subtleties, right? There are moments that I would not think about normally, although thinking about my previous classes, like personal experience, my yoga teachers always walked around mm -hmm. and I perceive the world because I'm a former musician by the sound. So it was so distracting. I love them mm -hmm. to pieces, but walking around me, I was tracking where their little feet going. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I, I totally understand this is like giving the agenda in the sense of, I guess, um, certainty, like this is what's coming next. You're not going to be doing a handstand, handstand, handstand yeah. right? They're just like taking those steps forward. I'm curious if you ever had someone just releasing the trauma, traumatic experiences through during the class, like through their body, because I know some people cry, some people, I had someone sobbing in class once. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand that because yoga is so therapeutic and soothing. Have you experienced that? And what, what did you do in that situation? I mean, I have had people cry during a class. I've also had people fall asleep. Because <laughs> um, yeah, you're the master of that, you said. <laughs> I know, I do. Yeah, snoring in a class at the end of class or like that twitching oh, <laughs> when people are about to fall asleep. Uh, but um, yeah, usually, you know, you give people space. If, you know, if somebody falls asleep, you, especially if class is over and they're still sleeping, you know, you... <laughs> Um, sometimes they wake up on their own or you know you might go near them a little bit and say hey you know class is over and usually they they kind of come to by the end of class <laughs> but you know, usually you just give people space I'm I mean there are sometimes where people leave the room and come back and mm -hmm. uh you know and with those scenarios if depending you know where you teach you know there be, might be some environments where like if you're working at a recovery center um, you might have two people teaching have a leech my assistant mm -hmm. so that you know if somebody leaves the room you know the, the assistant can go and and check on the person or or go talk with them so yeah. you know again depending on on your scenario and situation um but just yeah. as with anything you tend to give people space and you know, if you have a few moments after class, you go and check in with them and, you know, just ask them a general open-ended question, you know, how are you doing? Yeah. Or how was that for you? And, and usually if, you know, if they want to share, they'll, they'll share or they'll, you know, you can always, you know, again, this is tricky handing out your contact information if you do or you don't, you know, again, depending. I've worked at a, a county jail before with more mm. with staff members, so I wouldn't be giving out my contact information <laughs> there. But yeah. um, so, yeah, so just, you know, kind of taking some time after class to be available would be another yeah. thing. Have you ever had anybody sleeping through two classes in a row? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
That'd or maybe at home. I don't know. Because I also keep them <laughs> on. I never know. <laughs> you would never know because it's on the yeah, if it's online. Yeah. I'm curious if you were to face someone, let's say someone is listening right now and is really interested in either this approach of yoga or just learning about yoga is the modality of slowing down, having a more restful and recovering practice. What would you tell them? Where do they need to start? Well, first I would look for classes that are on the kind of the slower paced or I guess I would avoid the the faster paced classes if you want to explore more the um, the gentle side. So you can look for a gentle yoga. Sometimes a Hatha yoga class can be good too. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's there's yin yoga that tends to be again a very slower paced class um and also look for you can also look for classes that are physically more inclusive they will tend or or beginner classes they will also tend to be slower paced or at least yeah you know give you more time for transitions mm-hmm. and the you know the teachers too would know more of um, how to break things down or again of being mindful that you know some people may need to take more time to go from a to b yeah um, so i would i would look for that first as a as a place to start and you know and also look at different teachers the great thing now with so many things online is that usually you can have like samples or you can sample a class online or yeah. sample a teacher. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so I would do that too if you can. That would be a great option, and then you get a sense for who the teacher is. If you like, I don't know. For me, voice that you talked about having a, a musical background. Uh, to me, voice is a big thing. <laughs> yeah, if I don't. If that voice kind of gets under my skin, it's gonna be really hard for me to relax in the class. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Or if you have, I had a yoga teacher who was so squeaky. She was an adorable lady, but her voice was literally high pitched, squeaky. I could not do her classes. I was just out before the class was over. (laughs) And I can certainly, well, you have to find someone just like with therapy, right? You have to find that alliance, someone who alignment and alliance with somebody, right? And same with teachers and sampling. I love that you have this idea, not the idea, but I didn't know it's possible now to try classes before signing up. Um, That's how long it's been for me, practicing (laughs) yoga. I love that. And I love that you shared um, just like starting with something beginners. And I love the inclusivity is becoming a bigger theme now because um, it can be intimidating, right? Like walking in and having their own judgment of how you look and what you, what's on the inside and how anxious you are. And they're also add on to that poses and movements and music and darkness and steam and whatever this is, right? Like I'm talking about the hot yoga class. So there's a lot going on there. Um, but I, I love that. And I'm curious about your, like we're talking about this overall idea of well-being and kind of finding that slower paced practice to be more aware, to be more mindful, to be present. I feel like everybody's craving that now. What are your personal habits like when it comes to well-being? Uh, hmm, that's it. Well, I have my, like my workout that I do and you know, it's not yoga. I don't do yoga to work out. I, I usually do, you know, yoga more for that slowing down and that chance to get in touch with myself. So it, for me, it's a counterbalance to, you know, my more active practices. So I'll, I usually work out 
talking about your client that works out six days a week, that would be me. (laughs) (laughs) But again, you know, being intentional with what you're doing. So I have, you know, when I'm active and I I have my, you know, I weight lift, I also do different types of cardio. I like um, some, some styles of dance as well. So I'll do those. But then as a counter to that, you know, I do usually sometime in the afternoon, I'll do like a 20 or 30 minute, either like guided meditation, or it's also been called the NSDR, the non-sleep deep rest practice. So I really enjoy those. Um, so I try to get one in on most days. And then, you know, doing that slower paced yoga class or doing, you know, 10 minutes, 10 to 20 minutes of stretching in the mornings, uh, and sometimes mm-hmm. in the evenings too, but I, I like to at least have a little practice in the morning. And that's also a little check-in time for me of, well, how's my body doing? Uh, yeah. And also really getting, focusing on those physical sensations and my breathing, it tends to really uh, kind of calm me and help focus me for the day. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how my week goes. I have yeah my, my lifting and working out, but I also incorporate this time to I don't even maybe take a mini nap when you do these. I don't know if you've done the guided meditations or not. Let me ask you that first. I've done guided meditations before. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you find that you, you, sometimes it's seriously, you look down and you think, what 30 minutes went by. It felt like two (laughs) seconds. Like I just blinked and then. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder if I slept through the whole thing, you know? (laughs) And then there's times when you, let's say you do the same one. And there's times when you listen to it and you're like, I don't remember this part, but it's the same mm-hmm. kind of meditation I've done the, the day before. <laughs> so yeah. there's times when you pick up different parts of the class and, and that's totally normal, by the way, sometimes you kind of go in and out there. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's a, it, it's also serves as a, so there's meditations that help you focus. And as, there's also meditations that are more about defocusing. So mm-hmm. sometimes some of these are more about that defocusing part yeah and which we don't do enough right (laughs) i feel like we're just craving productivity and that forward momentum versus slowing down Mm -hmm. i love that focusing is good too i mean we need yeah it is absolutely (laughs) so you have that healthy balance it sounds like you have a healthy balance of push and pull um hardcore workouts and slowing down uh something caught my attention and i already told you behind the scenes about it and nsdr would you share a little bit more about that uh yeah so well this actually uh i've heard of it from the the huberman podcast i i'm a fan but so uh andrew huberman talks about um like yoga nidra is also a a guided meditation um, within you know the yoga community and and some people just want particular aspects of it. So that's where the this NSDR, I think, more comes from is it tends to focus more on the body sensing and mm-hmm. the body scan part and maybe some breath sensing as well. Because sometimes in the yoga nidra, and again, you know, as in yoga, it's a very broad subject and there's different ways of practicing and teaching it. So it kind of pairs it down to it's the fundamentals of that body sensing and breath sensing and Whereas in a yoga nidra class, you might have um, kind of more spiritual elements or sometimes more visualizations, or you might explore uh, like emotions a little bit more. And so the NSDR is more 
kind of gives you more of like that body sensing body scan piece and and just makes that the the focus yeah I love that. I love that. I'll definitely research that. And since yeah. you brought it, brought this up, you know, I always give a nickname for some reason. Like you, you know how you love someone, even though it's a direct person not directly related to you, not in your closest circle, but you really like them. Like just love them. I feel like that about our entire um, team of coaches. That's how you and I met. But now you have a nickname for like behind the scenes for me. I'm going to be calling you the queen of putting people to sleep. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Shavasana, Shavasana, because the ones I saw, saw that I could not unsee that. And now we talked about those moments of, and your voice is so soothing, you know, I have never like connected it this way. So it's like, it's so mellowing me. I feel like my stress levels in my watch are going down <laughs> all of that. <laughs> inhale and exhale Beautiful. Uh-huh. <laughs> well for Give the me record <laughs> we'll both be <laughs> right so if this podcast um, episode like being unfinished you know why because Anya passed out <laughs> <laughs> awesome I loved learning from you so much I'm curious we're gonna start wrapping up I'm gonna ask you uh, something I didn't warn you about rapid fire questions okay. uh, just uh, just a quick round of fun things but I'm curious what is the habit that you can't live without like you don't spend a day without it um facetiming my boyfriend <laughs> because he, nice. he lives we have a long distance relationship so <laughs> Yeah, has to to be done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. All right, I'm going to ask you a few questions and I'm going to wrap up. Even though I don't want to let you go, you shared so much. I want to ask so many follow-up questions. So we may have to ask you come back to the podcast and talk more things. Um, All right, ready? Okay. Cats or dogs? Cats. I have two of them. (laughs) Yeah, that makes it your favorite favorite beverage of choice. Ooh, sparkling water. Pellegrino for sure. Awesome. Coffee or tea? Oh, that's a so that's a tough one. Uh, uh that's gonna bring up anxiety. <laughs> coffee or tea? Oh no, is it gonna be black or all right? I'll say coffee, but sorry, tea. I love you too. <laughs> it's just the best answer on the podcast so far. I love it. If you had a song that would be your walk on song on stage, your famous yoga teacher, what would that okay, be? Okay, I'll just say the First thing that pops into my head because <laughs> I'm a, a huge Queen fan, the band Queen. So, mm. you know, the song We Are the Champions. Yeah. <laughs> we are the champions. Yeah. <laughs> that would be it. Beautiful, beautiful choice. If you have a vac- if you're going on vacation, would it be beach or mountain vacation? Oh, the beach. The beach. Beautiful. And do you have a dessert, a favorite, something sweet you like? Oh, um, it'll be chocolate mousse. So that's why I don't have it in the house. <laughs> okay. Beautiful answers. And if you watch any shows on uh, TV, Netflix, old movies, what is your favorite that pops in your head? Um, right well, recently this year, I've been watching the the Formula One, but you have to watch the races. It's a lot better. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's an unusual one. You know, I like that. I like that. How beautiful. Well, I am so grateful for you and just been wonderful to catch up on this different setting, right? Yeah. <laughs> and just learn about you, learn more about what you do, how you teach people, what you recommend for them to kind of slow down, to be more present, to get back to themselves. I love that so much. And I'm curious where my listeners can find you. 
Well, you can go over my YouTube page or you can also go to the Comeback YouTube page and uh, find me there. Awesome. And I'll make sure to link it all in the show notes so people know how to, that's how people work, can work with you, right? They can take a class mm-hmm. or they, and they can, that's how they can find you online. Yeah, and, and then I'm also on, on Instagram and my website is still under construction. So. And that's all right. And that's all right. I'll make sure to tag it in case, you know, once you, once you open, it's going to be there in history, people can find you. I appreciate you so much. Any last words of wisdom you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, well, I like to finish classes with a silly joke. So. Please. Oh, please do. <laughs> so what did the fish say when it swam into a wall? Damn. beautiful on that beautiful note uh, mic drop (laughs) thank you so much and i can't wait to share this episode with others well thank you anya and i hope you have a wonderful day thank you